Today on Locked On Red Wings, breaking down the acquisition of Shane Ghostisbear. Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I'm a podcast producer for the Daily J, a WWJ news radio podcast. Well, Scotty's host over at Lockdown Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And on today's episode, guys, we're going to be breaking down the acquisition of Shane Gosespair, as you just heard me saying the cold open, but a couple other news and notes. Uh, we should probably just power through, I think, before we get to the bulk of the, the meat of the episode, Scotty. Yeah. Um, first of all, there's some Alex Debrinkit news. I don't know if you want to just. Oh uh, I guess gosh. let me let me rephrase. There's not Alex Debrinkit news, right? Which we, is we the Alex Debrinkit news. Yeah. yeah. At this point, it's um. I just want it to end. I just want it to stop. <laughs> I'm. I am slowly. Just like I'm so exhausted by this entire thing mm-hmm. at this point that I I literally just want it to end now. I don't even I. I don't want to say like I don't even care if we don't get them because obviously I'm gonna if we do like you know a week from now even if like the trade goes through and it does happen I'm gonna freak out and be fine again but like I'm so exhausted by this entire process that I really just wanted to end at this point. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, we've got been getting reports every day for like the last three or four days, and they today's have, the day every they, day, dude. Well, it's not even that. Actually, now it's like. Hey, uh, so it, the issue isn't the trade. The issue is that uh, the the extension is the problem, and Stevie doesn't want to get. It's like the, something we've known for like three weeks now. At this point, is that Stevie doesn't like to give term, and that the uh, in, the trade isn't the issue. And we get that same report every single day because we need we need some kind of debrinket news, <laughs> um, whether or not that's with the Red Wings. Because as far as I know, there's been a couple of uh, a couple of good trade offers and multiple teams have been able to talk to the agents. So we'll see where it goes, but that's it. If, I'm tired of hearing news. That's not news. Yeah. Um, and here we are reporting on that news. That's not news, but we'd be remiss if we don't. And we're not uh, even really reporting. We're just kind of complaining, no. kind of complaining. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just let it happen already. Just honestly. tired of it, man. Golly. Uh, outside of that, the Red Wings re-signed John Letheman to a two year contract. I believe it was. Let me, let me pull that up. Actually, actually I'm surprised I didn't already have that pulled up for you guys. Uh, bad. Bad on me. Uh, sorry, one-year contract. Uh, league minimum two-way, so he makes 775000 at the NHL level. Um, and he'll probably spend the most of, his t- most of his time again in the ECHL, but he was fantastic with the Toledo Walleye this last year. Put up a 930 save percentage and a 917 save percentage in the playoffs. He was a fantastic tandem with Sebastian Kosa, but I would imagine – uh, I mean, he might push for an AHL spot with how good he was in the ECHL, but I imagine Sebastian Costa gets the call up to the AHL and he just locks it down with the Toledo Walleye uh, again this year coming up. Yeah, I agree. Nothing really too much of that. I, I I agree with that. Yeah. So I mean, hey, I'm I'm cool with it. I'm glad he's got. I'm glad he got a contract. At, you know. Yeah. The, it, I mean, him having an NHL contract, you know, with the Red Wings opens the door for him to make re- starts with the Red Wings if injuries occur that are bad enough that would require him. Whereas last year, like they had to assign him to that contract late in the year. So like, this is kind of just like a, Hey, you've been really good in the organization. Here's some money your way. Like, right. obviously if he's not in the NHL, he's not getting paid that contract because it's two way, but um, uh, you know, it's two way. So he does get a minor league contract, a minor league uh, 
salary as well if he goes to the AHL. So there's an opportunity for him to make more money now. It's kind of a reward for how good he was. And Yeah, which is nice. Him. Good for him. Yeah, and that's about it. Uh, so there's our news and notes. John Luffin did we talk? Did we talk on air? Zadina bought out everything. Uh, I mean, we talked when he was on waivers for purpose of termination. We talked. I mean, he got terminated. Yeah, he's so, now, so he's just a UFA that's going to go somewhere else, and he's yeah. not. And yeah, so like I know originally in the episode where he was put on waivers, we talked about like, um, like Stevie still wanted him here, and if he cleared waivers that he would go to GR and like still try to make the team on a camp and whatnot. And Sedina shot that down pretty quickly, apparently. So cool. he is, uh, yeah, terminated and is uh, UFA and his, his, his Red Wings uh, tenure is officially over. What's wild to me too, is obviously he's going to get a contract somewhere. Someone's going to take a flyer sure. on his potential upside that he may still have. But what's wild to me is Pew Suter doesn't have a contract yet. That is wild. We went into the year or went into the offseason with him being the youngest you unrestricted free agent in the class. He's a fantastic bottom six center, defensive center, really good in the defensive zone, really good on the penalty kill. And he put up, I think, 15 goals last year from the bottom six. So I'm just... And I think the year before that, he had like 20 goals. So I'm really surprised, granted, he was playing 2C that year. I'm, I'm really surprised that so, there hasn't been a team that's picked him up. Like, I know he'll probably, maybe it's because he's so young and because he's been good. Teams don't want to shell out that kind of money for a bottom six. Like, he'll probably make a little over a million dollars, I would imagine. Um, I'd have to check. How much did he make with the Red Wings these last two years? That's That's a good thing. But I'm just surprised with the fact that no one's picked him up. Maybe he's too good of a bottom six center and teams think they can just get cheaper options. I mean, maybe, but like at this point, his market has uh-huh. to be thinning out so much that I, I'm not even sh- like his price point has to have gone down at this point. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, he did make 3.25 with the Red Wings. And so yeah, yeah. that's a, quite a bit for a bot- what ended up being a bottom six center. And that's what he is. And he might be looking for more than that. And no team's going to pay that well, for I mean, more than a bottom six. He shouldn't six be center. looking no. for more than that. So but, that's I mean, his he's... own fault if he is. But. I'm sorry. He only had 15 goals the year before, not 20 and 14 this last year. But I mean, if he's a bottom six center, that's good for 10 to 15 goals every year. And he's great on the PK. I just, I'm just baffled by the fact that he hasn't been picked up yet. Yeah. Same. All right. Okay. Well, you want to talk about Shane goes to spare now? We've uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> gone off track long enough. Well, I feel like that's people are here to like listen about everything. Shane goes to spare. And we're six minutes in and we've talked about Pew Suter and Philip Zadina. <laughs> just end the Debrinket thing. That's my biggest thing. Yeah. Just end, end it. Please end it. Please stop. Please stop. <laughs> um, well on last Saturday when free agency opened, general manager, Steve Eiserman signed Shane goes to spare uh, to a one year, 4.125 million dollar contract with a 10 team, no trade clause. He's five foot 11 he shoots left, but can play both left side and right side. And Scotty, to put it bluntly, I think this might be the most exciting signing of the offseason. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it on the uh, on the free agency episode or the first episode after, you know, all these signings happened. And this is comfortably my favorite signing of the entire offseason so far. And uh, I, I think it's a lot of people's. This is a really uh, an impact player that we are adding to the blue line like you said can play both sides I think that that's the two biggest assets that he brings this team is a 
the ability to play right or left shot D man, right? Like having, having that or left side D man rather like having that is, is very, very helpful. Not only for uh, just because you need right side so he can play right side, but we talked about it earlier last week. I want to say just the versatility of, of that whole thing and being able to, uh, kind of play matchups a little bit better and set your lineup. You know, you, you don't have to have a straight set like six every single night. You can kind of mix and match depending on uh, opponent and, and you know, health and all that kind of stuff. So that's really nice. He gives you an extra leg of versatility. But the other one that's pretty clear is like the fact that this dude is going to push, you know, if he stays healthy, hopefully – He's going to push 15 goals is pretty, pretty wild uh, on the blue line. I mean, that would have been, I believe your seventh highest goal scorer last year. Like if, if he, he, he ended last season with 13 goals scored and I believe that would have put him at, yeah, he would have been seventh on the team in goals as a defenseman. So, you know what I mean? Like that's, Mm. and he's a solid defender too. We'll talk about that. We'll kind of break down the game, I'm sure, as the episode goes along. But, like, the fact that you <laughs> added to your blue line a dude who's, who has the potential to be, like, one of the top 10 goal scorers on your team is pretty awesome. Yeah, for sure. I'm really happy with this acquisition. And I'll add on to the reasons why I love it, which is pretty much going to be echoing a lot of your sentiments. Uh, but first, I want to talk to the people today about FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit that first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and use FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports partner of Major League Baseball. Segment two, LockedOn Red Wings podcast. I'm just going to add on, um, Scotty. I I agree with you. I mean, when we first kind of reacted to these, I was like a little bit unsure who my favorite signing was. um, And I wrongly claimed that ghost of spare was a reclamation project uh on my like first knee-jerk reaction and the more i sp- have spent time like looking into sh- you know ghost of spare and what he's done since you know his early troubles in his career like the more i'm like oh yeah like he's turned himself into like an everyday like solid offensive defenseman and he's gonna provide a lot to this team and you know we've talked about it i mean as a whole this team's defensive core just got so much better this offseason with the acquisition. I know it's controversial, but Hall is better than Osterlane Haig would have been. You know, mm-hmm. Costa Spare is obviously an upgrade. And you got Shira and you got Mata, you got Sider, you got Woolman. You have the opportunity for Edvinson to push and compete for an NHL uh, playoff, or not playoff, uh, NHL spot on the roster as well. Like you're, you have a solid decor now. And Ghost of Spare provides, you know, offense that you're really only getting from guys like. Uh, Moritz Sider, who doesn't score a lot of goals, but accumulates a lot of assists. Again, he had an over 40 assists this last year. I think he had 50, or not 40 assists, 40 points. And 50 is rookie season. Jake Wallman can obviously provide a lot of offensive upside, but Ghost Bear can bring that as well because you need more than one guy who's going to be capable of driving offense on your team. And Ghost Bear is that guy. He's going to play top four minutes, I think. And he's yeah. going to be on your second pair. 
and he's going to be on your power play, be that power play one or power play two. I imagine he probably your power play one defenseman um, because that's where he thrives. His, his strengths are driving offense. He is, he is at his peak in the offensive zone. Um, defensively, he gets beat a little bit off the rush uh, on the outside a little bit, but you know he's an offensive defenseman first and foremost, but he's not bad defensively. I'm not trying to say that, but he's definitely just more offensive oriented. I mean, and, and the other thing too that is really good about this trade, Scotty, though, is the fact that it's a one-year contract. So you get to the trade deadline, and now you're looking at a situation where if the Red Wings are out of it, you could easily flip him at the deadline for assets, just like the Coyotes did this past year and traded him to Carolina. If you're in the hunt, you can keep him. Like, there's no downside to keeping Shane Ghost this bear. A one-year, $4 million contract means nothing when you can easily ship him out for assets at the trade deadline, depending on where this team's at. Like, there's just I, – I honestly struggle to see any actual downside to this contract. I think it's just all win. I think this is a great, great contract for defensive depth, for providing more offense, and for the potential of trade deadline maneuvers. Yeah, it's it's all reward without any of the risk because like even if he like let's just say he 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 falls on his face, he starts a decline randomly and he's like a, a liability out there. Okay, well then it's a one-year deal. You move him down in the lineup. You're not like hindering your cap long-term by bringing him in. So you move him down and then you whatever, you try to flip him for a few assets obviously they're not going to be that good if he's not playing that well at the deadline and like whatever you, you wash your hands and it's over or he's great and the team still isn't great and so then like you said you flip him at the deadline or he's great and the team is making a push and then you have a fantastic producer that has been doing well all year that's going to continue to kind of anchor down your your uh your second pair blue line in, in the second half of the season for a playoff push. Like there really isn't no, no matter what the scenario there, there's nothing that's going to hurt you long-term here. And like you said, one year deals, not whatever. If, if he's awful, then it's a one year deal. It's not like you're, <laughs> you're ruining your cap situation for the future. It comes off the books at the end of the season, no matter what. And, uh, and the cap's going to go up anyway. So like, it's, it's really, uh, just a win, win, win for everybody. And including him, he gets kind of a prove it year on a young up and coming team. that's trying to make a playoff push. If he has a really good season, he's going to get a bag next summer, <laughs> a bag bag. He's going to get big time paid next summer if he has a good year. So, um, yeah, I, I think it really just makes sense for everybody, everybody. And, um, for a guy who at the beginning of his career had some ups and downs, he had a really, really good, like first full season with Philly. Then the next couple of years kind of had down years, but Philly was kind of in turmoil during that era. Oh, when haven't they been in turmoil? Right. Yeah, for sure. And then like, he kind of came out of the other side, like still doing pretty decently. He goes to Arizona on kind of like a prove it ish type of thing as well. Uh, does pretty well, but like Arizona's awful. So like it's it's weird, and then he goes to Carolina, and in the second half of last season with the Canes, he was unbelievable. I mean, like, even with Arizona, he was good. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, I mean, that was a good team, like playoff minutes and everything, and mm -hmm. he was absolutely phenomenal. His numbers for Carolina in the 23, 24 games he played with them are are honestly otherworldly. 
I mean, he put up a total of 41 points this last year. The season before that with a bad Coyotes team, he had 51 points in a full 82 games played. Like, yeah, minus 23, but that was the Coyotes. Like, you can't really blame him for that. I mean, he's been a consistently, like, 40 to 50 points from a, a defenseman from the back end is phenomenal. And now you're going to get that from Cider and Ghost to Spare. Like, how many more goals is that going to add to the Detroit Red Wings from the back end? Like, how many will they lead to? Not necessarily score themselves, but help contribute right. to. Like right. this well, acquisition I mean, is huge. And just like, again, like just like bo- box score watching, like just looking on paper, the Red Wings only had two players at over 50 points last year. Like, again, he would have been like uh, Andrew Kopp was fifth with 42 points. He had one less point than the guy who was fifth on the team in points. The guy so who was like, two C. Right. <laughs> so you're talking about adding a, a defenseman who has the potential to be like, Again, a like six to eight range in point production this season, and he's not even going to be on your top line. Well, also talk about too, like the, the fact that he's going to take the pressure off guys like Moritz Sider and Jake Wallman to do all the producing. Like Shane Gostisbehere this last year played top line minutes according to Evolving Hockey. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, he played a one thousand two hundred seventy one even strength minutes uh, total, and the bulk majority of those came around came between like 16 and 18 to 20 minutes. And that's like top line minutes for a lot of defensemen, depending on, you know, what organization you're playing with. Like there was a lot on his shoulders and he stepped up. So on the Red Wings, he's going to have a lesser role. And so he's not going to be playing against the best of the best that the opponent has to offer. And yeah. so he's going to have more freedom to do what he wants. Right. And he's taking the pressure off of more cider by also providing some of that offensive upside. I mean, it's not going to be on just Sider and Wallman to produce goals and assists anymore. Like now that that's like what we're talking about. Like it's just a deeper team. Everyone can share the workload and make each other better. It's just such a great thing to see. And when you're talking, you know, we, we talk so much about uh, like goal scoring and producing offense. And when we do, a lot of the times we look at the depth, obviously, you know, we talk about Debrinket and like, if they got a 40 goal score, that would be the dream. But when, when you're talking about the goal scoring production of uh, this team outside of the top line. Like that's been a, a borderline issue, I guess I'll call it for the last like four years, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you remember the days of the, the Larkin and Mantha line and, and where it was like, Oh, that line actually produces a lot of offense. But if you shut down the top line, you're going to shut out the Red Wings tonight. Like that's been a thing for the last four or five years is just, trying to find offensive production outside of the top line. And obviously him being second pairing D-man, he's going to get a lot of minutes with the middle six on this team. So it's a, it's a way to add offense to your depth forwards without even signing a forward. It, yeah. It's, it's really is just a, a perfect fit for everybody. We're taking another quick break. When we come back, I'm going to go through like the, the analytics, the advanced analytics on Shane Ghost Despair, because everyone has different things to say about him. Every site does, but they all, in the end, come back to saying, yeah, he's a strong addition to the Red Wings decor. So stay tuned to segment three of Lockdown Red Wings. Segment three, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty, I have four tabs up here, as you can, well, five, including the actual cap-friendly tab, but four analytic tabs brought up for Shane Ghost Despair. Two evolving hockey, one from Jay Fresh, who posted the card, player card, when the Red Wings signed him, and then finally from Natural Statric. As you can see here, 
through evolving hockey. They have Shane goes to spare as a 75th percentile defenseman. He've read 62 percentile offense and 48 percentile defense, but those are goals above replacement. Given the teams that he was playing on above goals, above, above replacement level offense and defense, given the teams he was playing on last year. Like he was a positive asset on, well, especially Arizona, but even more so on Carolina, which I'll get to in a little bit. But he was a positive asset wherever he played. You can see this is where he played the 1,200, almost 1,300 minutes uh, with at even strength, D1 pair minutes. You can see that down here. And then power play, 205 minutes. He played up in power play in just 45 minutes at shorthanded. You're not going to put him on your penalty kill. It's just not his role. But like this is well, just. You don't need him to. I just love to underrated thing. I mean, we've mentioned it, I think a couple times, but underrated thing, like these aren't just acquisitions that are going to help the team overall, but acquisitions that are going to help specific roles. Like Shane Gosis bear is going to help on the power play. Justin Hall is going to help on the penalty kill. Christian Fisher is going to help on the penalty kill. JT Comfer is going to help on the power play. Like every single one of the guys that the Red Wings signed also play special teams minutes, which is another right. area of big need for the Detroit well, It's more versatility too. Yeah. Again, like the, the, I think one of the most overlooked and underappreciated aspect of like any really good team is that they don't just have like, oh, the, they don't have the exact amount of guys to fill one of their special teams lineup. Does that make sense? Like, mm -hmm. it's not like, oh, the power play. We have five dudes we love on the power play and that's it. Or yeah. Like, oh, you know, on our, on our penalty kill, we have four dudes in our in our organization that we love on the penalty kill, and that's it. Like, no, they're, they're deep there, right? Obviously, you have multiple units, but, like, on top of that, they have, okay, like, we, for this specific matchup, like, this opponent, we know because of, like, the numbers really likes to go to the outside. Okay, well, we're going to put, like, a different matchup out there. Oh, like, this person likes to clog the middle. We're going to put a lot of big bodies out there. Like, having that versatility – is such an underrated and underappreciated aspect of like really good special teams units. It's not just the same four or five dudes that you're rolling out there every single special teams. You can mix and match. Right. You, 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 the ability to be able to match your opponent's strengths and weaknesses is so, so important. And so the more options, the better. That That's only a good thing, right? And, and that, you know, it's hockey. Injuries are going to happen too. You want to be able to plug it with someone you trust and not just be like, oh, well, we're kind of, you know, screwed on the power play until so-and-so comes back. Yeah, and then if you move on, so you go to the other Evolving Hockey tab and you can see exactly how many expected goals above replacement he provided to each individual team. Arizona or Carolina this last year is 4.8 with Arizona and 5 with the Carolina Hurricanes. So on a really bad team and on a really good team, he still provided. In fact, he provided more goals above replacement expected with a better team than he did with a bad team. Like that just shows like how good he can be when you put him on a better hockey team. Have He's you gonna looked provide at his, like Corsi four and his. Oh yeah. Goals I at <laughs> so, just, Relative is insane. Really quickly. Yeah. His, uh, his Corsi four percentage in 23 games in Carolina was 60. 5.808%. That's ridiculous. Well, because every point above 50 is better. And like, if you're at 52 or 53, you're a damn good player for your team. You're right. at 65? Yeah. And His like goals four percentage was was 52.38 in 23 games for Carolina. And his, yeah, his Corsi four percentage was quite literally just a hair over 65%. Well, and the two also... Um, like 
23 games isn't a small sample size anymore. Like that's that's, that's a, a pretty significant over a quarter chunk. of a season. Yeah. So 65%. Like, yeah, it was 43.81 with Arizona, but that was because the Coyotes, again, are really bad. It's hard to put above 50% when the entire team is below 50%. Yeah. Um, so that kind of has like a, a weighted team aspect to it, kind of like plus minus, not as egregious as plus minus. But then, like, that's why I sorted it by relative. And when you look at his expected goals for percentage relative with the Arizona Coyotes, he provided a 2.26. So he provided <laughs> only accumulatively across the season, you know, 2.26 relative to the rest of his teammates. Yeah. But with Carolina in 23 games, 9.10. Yeah. Which is nuts, especially because it's relative. Like that's, that's a team that literally made the conference finals. Yeah. Like that's any given game. You're providing that many more shots for the shots against like that's on a really good hockey team. It's just insane that he, he, he can provide that much offense to bad teams and good teams. Like, th- I just, there's no doubting it. Shane Gosespierre is going to be a killer with the Detroit Red Wings. And then finally, here's his J-Fresh card. Kind of, again, just hammering home the things that we've been saying today. And this is across three years of data. It's not just one year like the player card was. You can see how, you know, offensively he provides such a like, extra impact. 79% war uh, on Power play, 69% even strength offense. You can see he struggles a little bit more defensively. But, I mean, 99% finishing. <laughs> 98% penalties. Yeah, which is a good thing. You want that to be blue. It means he yeah. draws penalties but doesn't take a lot of penalties, which you would have seen on the player card as well that evolving hockey post that he he's good at t- drawing and but not taking. Just crazy, man. Um, I, I love it. Every single day, I'm, I'm – uh, <laughs> I think about the signing and I just, a smile runs across my face. I'm just so happy. <laughs> well, and if you look at his even strength offense versus defense timeline that Jay Fresh uh, uh, has here on Twitter, you can see that his defense did take a huge leap in the positive direction this past year. Like he shored up his defensive game as well. While yeah. it was really low the last couple of years, this past year, it was, you know, between 50 and 75%. Now it's a three year rolling average. So it still comes out to 32%. But the year before that, he was below 25 so this past year, without losing that much offense, he really had a huge uptick in his uh, defense as well. And then his overall war this past year, I mean, his projected war percentile is 84%. Like, that's a top 16% yeah. defenseman that the Red Wings are getting. And he's going to play second pair of minutes for you. He's not going to be forced to play, like, top pair of minutes. It's, it's, he's just going to, not to beat a dead horse, but... He's going to be great. <laughs> he is. I'm super pumped, man. I think the only other really conversation is just, uh, and we talked, kind of talked about it a little bit already last week, but um, where he consistently falls in the lineup. Card. I think second pair. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, second pair right side at that, right? I mean, I, I, I yeah, probably I, I think that he's the slam dunk candidate for that on most nights. You're either having Sherrod or Hall as your second pair left side. I mean, I've Probably seen some people all. project goes to spare to be your third pair, but I don't. I, I think that's a misuse of his abilities. I, you got to get. I, yeah, I, I don't think they pay. They brought him in on over four mil to go play third pair either. Yeah, I think you put probably. I mean, you could, I could see an argument from Mata too, but would, do you really want Sherratt and Hall to be your third pair together? I don't think that they would mesh well together, Sherratt and Hall. I think you probably start, try and break them up. Um, no, I I think it's Hall. I yeah, currently you, I have. Wallman, Cider, Hall, Ghost, and then Mata, Sherrod. Yeah, I think that's how it's going to go. And then Lindstrom being your seventh. And then Lindstrom is seven. Yeah. 
All right. It's not bad. Um, can we also it's talk about the fact that Steve Eisman collects Calder finalists like he's collecting Infinity Stones? I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> you got now Shane goes to spare, Dominic Kubelik, Pew Suter, Alex Nedeljkovic. I mean, obviously Ned's oh. not here anymore. Now they're a suitor, but More like suitor, yeah. he loves taking flyers on guys who were Calder finalists. Yeah. Just loves it. Big fan. Big fan. Uh, so I just thought that was a funny anecdote because he was the Calder finalist in what, like 15, 16, something like that. Yeah, it's like what uh, the like what here? Troy Weaver does with five star high school recruits. Like every single Piston, like the Pistons were the worst team in the NBA last year, but like all the dudes on the team were five star high school recruits. <laughs> it's like the same thing. Like oh, it doesn't matter if we're gonna win or lose, we're gonna get our Calder finalists. Like, He's gonna uh, hit it eventually. Let's see who did win the Calder that year. Was I right? Was that the, yep. It was the Panarin year. I remember a lot of people were upset that year because Panarin was like 24 and had played professional hockey in Russia. So everyone was like, he doesn't little did they know that a few years later, they'd have a 35 year old in the running for the Calder. (laughs) Right. But at least he didn't win. I dude, that Michael Bunting, he was like what? 26 last year. Yeah. he was That was ridiculous. Um, he got his bag though. Who did he sign with Bunting? Ultimately was it Carolina? Uh, yeah, I'm looking up right now. He did get paid though. He did get the bag. Uh, yeah, Carolina. That fits them. Well, they need scoring and they're hoping that he can still score away from the core four. Yeah. And another year older. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let's see. Those jokes will never get old. I think he sent a three year deal. 4.5 million. Yeah. He got the bag pretty good. Yeah, he did. Coming off a, what, an ELC, so that's a pretty big uh, upgrade. Coming off an ELC at 30 is crazy. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, I don't think so, man. We ball. We do ball. We're back. For, uh, for the baseball draft tonight. That's where my mind is. What's the what's the scoop, man? Who do you think they're getting? Well, it's I mean, it's wild. I uh, I actually had a bonus episode of Locked on Tigers this week. We had a six episode week. I did a uh, a draft breakdown for Saturday's show to kind of prep it. I guess as everyone's listening to this, the draft will be over or the first round rather will be over because that's Sunday night. But um, I don't know. It's it's going to be it's going to be wild. They uh, the like borderline consensus pretty much consensus number one overall pick just like wants a really big signing bonus and the pirates have the number one overall pick and they notoriously don't spend any money ever so and then number two the tigers have the number three pick so then the pirates have one the nationals have two and they love the pitcher paul Skeens, that like lit up the sports world there for uh during the college world series so they're probably going to take him. No matter, I guess as everyone's listening to this, I could sound like an idiot, but it sounds like they're going to take him. Yeah, because um, people, so like, people are listening to this, they'll know. Right, I guess. There's like a like a real world, I'm not going to call it likely, but there's like a real world chance where the consensus 1-1 falls all the way to the Tigers at three, and he's just like sitting there. So Also, you know, it's funny because we're recording this so early on Sunday because you have the Tigers and the, uh, the draft to do later today. You know, what happens if Debrinket does get traded? <laughs> I know, dude. That's that's like my that's my worst case scenario. I have like the busiest day of my life today. <laughs> like I'm gonna be on air for like <laughs> a lot of hours um, in a row, like jumping around from show to show and live streams and stuff. So um, I like really can't afford Debrinket to get traded on Sunday, but 
Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'll, I'll, I'll just take a 40-goal score at the end of the day. So Good I'll, luck, man. That's all I can say. Good luck. Yeah, for real. All right, we'll be back with a new episode on Tuesday, hopefully breaking down a Debrinket trade. If not, another free agent breakdown. Uh, our final week of five a week for the oh, offseason. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And so, we're, on, uh, we're on three until what, September? I think so. Maybe late I, August. I don't know. I think we we like, don't know yet. Yeah. I think it's around like when camp starts. Yeah. So, But yeah, we'll be back. So stay tuned. Same time, same place, your team every, every day. day.